Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. Today, we are offering five conversations from episode 40, our review of last week's Paris Nash conference, plus from the vault, our most downloaded conversation ever, which comes from Paris Nash 2021. This wrap-up conversation starts with me asking the three Paris Nash participants what other important or intriguing questions we've not yet covered that arose in the meeting. Scott Friedman mentioned some interesting thoughts on genetics. Laurent Cassera concurs about the value of these talks and adds that he was struck powerfully by a talk about pediatric Nash which is more likely to be endogenous than in adults and young patients who not consume alcohol, but is also confounded by how pediatricians are trained, or more appropriately, not adequately trained, to conduct biopsies and otherwise assess patients. Jorn Schottenberg brings up a whole different point. A statistical method for comparing disparate options, known as DOOR, or Desirability of Outcome Rankings, and its effect at how to compare drugs in different options in patient situations. We discussed DOOR on this podcast sometime in late 2021. My apologies that I can't find the episode and conversation numbers on short notice. Finally, Louise Campbell and I raise a couple of additional questions and we bring this stimulating conversation to an end. Along with NASHTAG, Paris NASH is one of two famously small, famously science-based, publicly available events every year. We cannot really cover the entire meeting in a single wrap-up episode. Frankly, we've never been able to do so. But this conversation neatly captures some of the key dynamics in the meeting, and particularly ones around NITs. It's a lot to digest, and frankly, I had to chew on it multiple times before I wrote our summaries. So sit back, listen, learn, enjoy, and when you're done, join the dialogue in our LinkedIn discussion group. In the few minutes we've got left, we lose Scott about four minutes. Everyone else maybe can stay a bit longer. But I'd like to ask each of you to comment on something you thought was important in the meeting that had nothing to do with NITs, since that's where this whole discussion has been so far, pretty much. Well, Scott, something in the session that you chaired that was not about NITs that you found particularly interesting or compelling or thought-provoking. Scott Friedman. There was a session about genetic variants that was uh, capped off by an expert in diabetes and uh, expanding the lessons learned about personalized medicines in diabetes to the care of disease. And conceptually, I found that very satisfying. They don't have all the answers yet, but there are genetic variants, and that was a session I chaired, that are increasingly understood as to how they put patients at risk for liver disease or not. We don't know how to use that information to decide who should be treated with what drug or treated at all. And the diabetes field is ahead of us, and so I thought the lessons learned there were valuable, even if they're early. Okay, great. And, and thanks for joining us today and making time in your schedule on fairly short notice. It's great seeing you. Uh, hope to see you soon. Always a pleasure. And I will sign off and say farewell to my colleagues until next time. Bye-bye now. Thanks. So, Laurent, you next. Something in the meeting that had nothing to do with NITs that you found particularly compelling or thought-provoking. Laurent Castera. In line with what Scott had just said regarding genetics, there was a session on, on pediatric NASH that I found very interesting because, of course, this is a setting where genetic is likely much more important than in adults because the children, of course, are not exposed to alcohol, for instance, to, to other factors for liver disease, even though when they get teenagers, some might have already diabetes or, of course, obesity. But this is uh, probably a model that is more pure than the so-called adult model. And I found it interesting because I realized that there was so much to be done in this population. Because, of course, the, the pediatrician, they do not perform as many liver biopsy as we do in adult patients. And the data still remain limited and there's a lot to be done. So I found it very interesting and I learned a lot of things. Thank you. Jorn? Jorn Schattenberg. Yeah, the genetics were interesting. 
interesting, but I'll move uh, I'll move on now and say that in the same session I was speaking, there was a statistician. He started out with a theoretical question, whether you want a pill that increases your IQ or your good looks. And I said I was left behind baffled trying to debate both ways. <laughs> Taking them both maybe would have been my answer. I don't know. Uh, anyway, he introduced a concept that was called desirability of outcome ranking, DOOR. This is a statistical assessment of an outcome and gives partial credit to both, let's say, the efficacy endpoint, the primary outcome, but also taking safety and harms into a reduction. Let's say we cure, this is a hypothetical drug because nothing like that ever happened, but you know, if we regress cirrhosis down to from F4 to F0, but then the patient dies half a year later because of some weird cancer, obviously you met the endpoint, but you haven't taken the undesirable outcome into account. And then on the other way, in the end, he said, you know, there, there are ways to balance statistically the safety profile of a drug and the efficacy. And I felt reminded of the Intercept story because we, or the Oka story, because here we, we struggled with some safety aspects, albeit meeting the endpoint. And I was wondering how a door analysis of that data set would have looked like. It reminded me that there is more than the primary endpoint for efficacy we might be exploring. We have to take safety into account. And many of the drugs we're seeing far advanced now are very safe and have good additional benefits that might even harden the reason to use them. And then and therefore, I felt very uh, stimulated by that type of statistical analysis, which the FDA has, according to his presentation, has gained more interest in. Jorn, was this fellow from uh, George Washington yeah. University, maybe I'm forgetting his name, yes. or American University, one of the schools in D.C.? Uh, Scott Evans. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. I want to say he presented on this maybe at Liver Forum last year or somewhere. And uh, I, uh, a statistician, was... Uh, exceptionally attracted to what he was talking about for exactly the same reason. I, I think it's a, it's an innovative way of looking at this and, and really important and helpful, I think. So uh, thanks for bringing that note to the conversation. Okay, partners in, in uh, podcast, in the few remaining moments we've got, what else about this meeting would we like to discuss or should I just move to a simple closing question? Well, I would say that the hospitality of France and Paris is exceptional. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a great meeting. It was great to be there, in particular standing next to Laurent, close to the Eiffel Tower, where this is his city and he has some nice stories about the city. This was personally very rewarding. Thank you for that, Laurent. But that, that was on the personal note. So I think that Paris Nash, again, being a think tank and being able to meet those people that drive the field is something very exceptional. And also the ability to, you know, e, uh, Europe, uh, US and Asia uh, come together there. I think that's unique. So again, very stimulating this year. And I think there is a round birthday next year. It will it'll be the 10th edition. I'm going to be looking forward to that. Laurent, anything to add? No, thank you, Jorn. I, I noticed that uh, people seem always happy to come to Paris. So of course, I've uh, been living for many years in the city. I'm, I'm very happy to welcome you and hope we can welcome you as well next year for other meeting. Well, I would desperately like to be there next year. I really wanted to be there this year. And this is the second year in a row that life intervened in my plans to get to Paris for Paris Nash, but hopefully the third time will be the charm. Louise, anything you want to ask or comment on before we go to final? Louise Campbell. Question. I just wondered, I think Laurent might have been at the last session with William Alawazi on the Global Health Corner and the was some interesting stuff there. Was there anything that came out in Pathways, future developments, how we're going to do, rather than what we're focusing on now uh, from that session? Okay, so maybe I, I will comment very shortly. Actually, there was a patient that told us his history, and uh, to make a long story short again, he was diagnosed with cirrhosis after having a fiber scan and uh, Nash cirrhosis, of course, and uh, he was trying to explain that no one had tell him before, and after a long discussion, finally, 
<laughs> he said, why, why don't you screen people like me with risk factor for this kind of, of thing not to happen? And this was exactly what we were trying to do. <laughs> you know, we as experts uh, have been working for years trying to convince outside of our field that now we have effective tools, of course, to spot among uh, general population people at risk, but also the tool to be able to spot those with cirrhosis and, of course, bring them to or refer them to expert center and try to treat them uh, once the treatment comes to the market. So that was exactly what we are trying to do. And we are very happy that this patient with this story was illustrating what we've been uh, trying to do for the last 10 years. So it's interesting you say that because when I think of the NASH-specific patient advocates in the U.S. and patient advocacy groups, the, the two that come to mind were both started by folks who learned that they had cirrhosis in an emergency department in a hospital after 50 years of care. In one case, in the presence of the HCC and requiring a transplant, the other case not. But I think patients patients who've been diagnosed are clearly the most compelling and powerful source on this issue because they know all the times that they weren't told things that could have helped them. Pardon the double negative. So it's fascinating. I think what they're also very good at, Roger, is detailing all of the missed opportunities that we have had in healthcare to miss those markers. And one of the biggest ones that we all hear about is, my doctor told me my liver tests were normal and therefore my liver was fine. (laughs) So there are multiple missed opportunities. We just have to miss less of those opportunities and that's still the case that we hear too many times. I think the point you're making is very important. This illustrates the fact that we need to educate our colleagues and also try again to raise the awareness of patients because it's difficult with asymptomatic disease. And uh, as you stress, Roger, most of cirrhotic patients so far I diagnosed at a late stage. So fortunately, this patient had compensated cirrhosis. But let's say in two thirds of cases or even more, they come to the ER department with a complication or HCC or a candidate for liver transplantation, and this is a bit too late. And still, I think a very simple message to convey to the GP community is the fact you need a shift in paradigm. So far, GPs have been educated to refer patients to an hepatologist if they have abnormal liver tests. We know that abnormal liver tests are poorly correlated with outcomes and especially with fibrosis. So I think we need to shift shift the paradigm to you need to diagnose fibrosis, whatever the liver test, and based on risk factors. I mean, a patient more than 40 with all the metabolic risk factor should undergo FIB4 and be tested for fibrosis and referred to an hepatologist, even though he has no symptom, normal liver test, if the FIB4 is elevated to have a second look. So this is simple in principle, but you need to come up to the GPs with very simple message. And remember, they're overwhelmed by their patients, by the cardiologist, by the diabetologist, by the obesitologist, and we need to find a voice for for the liver in that environment. I think this is critical. Laurent, it's interesting you say that uh, Mazen was with us a couple of weeks ago talking about massive. His comment was that ultimately the goal is to find our way to something that looks like an A1C test, where it's got a single number on it and a primary care doctor can trust it. On the way there, I think there are just going to be bumps. And I couldn't agree with what you say more. Right now, that's the best we can do. Ultimately, though, it's going to take, I think, drugs and maybe some better tests before the message breaks through as clearly as we would like. We have to keep trying every day. It just might not succeed as 
as completely as we would hope, I think. Wrap-up comment. Anything you would expect to see at Paris Nash 10, besides the celebration of the round number, that the people should look forward to? I'd be hoping to give a more robust talk on how to measure treatment response, also based on some therapy emergent data that we'll see in parallel to you know the phase three. That's really my hope. And, and, and any sponsor uh, listening, please share that data with um, you know PIs like Laurent or myself to be able to give them meaning to these individual uh, NIT changes. I think it will be important. Fantastic, Laurent. I, I would echo your and I think this is a very important year. This is kind of a transition year. And within the, the forthcoming year, we're going to get a lot of more data, not only on treatment, but also NIT and the treatment. So this is critical. Yes. Louise? Yeah, I'm going to share the same. I'm certainly going to share Jean's. Let's get more of the data from the trials once they can release it to let us know what we can do in the clinical environment. What are we monitoring um, to be able to make those decisions for patients? I'm not even going to add a comment because it would be a complete repeat on what the three of you have said. I think you captured the most interesting parts of the landscape quite brilliantly between you. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with coverage of the FDA's two-day NIT workshop. Until then, stay safe, surf on, and enjoy the last weekend of what is the summer season for most of us in the Northern Hemisphere and the winter for those in the Southern Hemisphere. We'll see you back next week. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now.